Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Hello, friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Rotor World football podcast otherwise known as the tell one friend podcast <laughs> my name is josh norris thanks so much for being here uh there's football tonight football's on i believe eight o'clock eastern nbc we have the denver broncos versus the atlanta falcons in i guess the fifth preseason game that's going to happen for both teams uh here in july and august and i need to break that down with someone. I will say later on, we have Roto Pat on with some running back sleepers, some wide receiver sleepers, just some audio from some videos we did last week. But I freaking love preseason football. And I know John Daigle does the same thing. Hello, John. How are you? I am doing great. And even better, it is here. You are correct. It is finally, finally here on this beautiful Thursday. It kind of feels like it was already here. Like it wasn't Gone for long, I guess is the right way to put it. Don't tell me that because I'm already tired. It's not even week one. (laughs) The grind has already started. Uh, John, we know that you are moving to the Connecticut area. Uh, I have a proposal for you. Would you like to hear it? Of course. And I don't, I feel like I don't have a choice. Like I have to hear it once you ask it. Yeah. Well, that's what the host gets to do. (laughs) Uh, So you and I will have shows during the season on Tuesday, Thursday, Friday and Sunday. That's the right. Yes. My pitch to you to make it, you know, because we're spending a lot of time with each other, maybe more enjoyable just to enhance our experience is we pop open a different bottle of wine for each show. Oh, see, I was so hoping once you said pop open, I was like, please end with alcohol. So, yes, I I gladly accept because you could have gone various directions there. Good. Uh, You know, all that we have to do now is just get the higher ups, the people in suits and jackets and nice tailored and dry clean shirts to sign off on us bringing alcohol in for the podcast four times a week. I think that would work. I think it would really work. Oh, and we swap taking turns bringing them in. Like, I actually I love this idea now. Yeah, this is exciting already. I'm awake now. I'm good. Let's start off with this Hall of Fame game. We know that, you know, the Important players aren't going to play more than a couple series, if that. But John, I want to know what you are looking for. And I guess we should start with the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, so the Atlanta Falcons actually are tougher than the Broncos because ideally 
we will be looking at their newly revamped offensive line featuring two prominent rookies, but I'm not sure if they're going to play at all. We know Caleb McGarry actually is not going to play at all after his procedure on on right. Wednesday, but we know Ryan and Julio are going to be out. Uh, I We assume Freeman, has he been actually ruled out or we just go ahead and assuming he's obviously not going to play? I would highly doubt he plays. and Which would be absolutely crazy to see him play anyhow. So the rest of them, I mean, what are we excited about? Ito Smith, Brian Hill. I will say, John, like to me, that's the most, maybe the important position or one of them as we're going to learn with the Falcons throughout the preseason because we know how much Tevin Coleman has run and factored in into the past. And one, hopefully Devontae Freeman is healthy for 16 games. But two, he will split some time. And most likely he won't be healthy for all 16 games. And so someone needs to emerge from that like hodgepodge randomness group. And hopefully we find that out during the preseason. Yeah. One I was interested in, and I'm just going to swing for the fences here. I'm going to, I'm going to rear back. I'm going to give a deep breath. Olamid Zacchaeus. Who the hell is this? Oh, do you not know Zacchaeus, the wide receiver for the Falcons? No, no clue. Oh, that, that's, no clue. that's the one that's been uh, lighting up training camp. However, I only reared back because if you look at his spelling, there is a greater than zero chance like I would actually get that correct. But that's one that is actually probably going to play quite a bit in this game um, because they have a lot of guys. But assuming Julio's out, like we said, it's likely going to be Russell Gage to start for a few series, but then they're even going to back him down and they're going to throw in their Marcus Green, Khalil Lewis, Devin Gray, guys like that. I'm also interested in just how, if we see anything of how different this offense is going to be under Dirk Cutter, you know, compared to what it was in previous years, because we know that everyone's really primed for a big season. And again, obviously, offensive coordinators don't show everything. But if there are any different tricks or formations or alignments that Cutter is going to show just in this first kickoff. I got some blowback on it. Um, however, when I wrote the Falcons preview, I actually said they were going to lean more towards being a rushing offense this year and uh, continue to depend on efficiency in their passing game, which I still think they can even without Sarkeesian. Um, but it, we will get a glimpse of that, if, especially if they're scaling down and approaching this as a true week one game with their backups. I think yeah. then, yeah, we would actually see them run the ball quite a bit, perhaps. It, I mean, either way, though, we're going to get a f- mouthful of uh, uh, their third string quarterback, um, Kurtz. Ben Kurt, I believe that's how you pronounce it. Also for the Falcons, most importantly, exit with no injuries on defense. We saw what happened last year to that defense when injuries struck. Certainly many of those people won't play, but no injuries, please. No injuries. What about with the Denver Broncos? I mean, this is a team that is a bit more different than compared to the Falcons in 2018. Um, New quarterbacks, new tight ends, some new wide receivers, a lot of different pieces along the offensive line and some on defense as well. What stands out to you? What are you watching, John? The Broncos, actually. like That's the one I have pinned down because I am actually quite a bit excited to watch a few of these players. Um, one of them being Noah Fant, actually. And that's the obvious yep. statement. We are, we are all excited to watch him. However, like we need to see if they actually are going to use him as they suggested um, during the offseason and use him more in line, or if he's going to line up like in the slot as he played with TJ Hawkinson in Iowa. So whether he is actually being used as a blocker, which is a positive for his on-field presence, but also a detriment because then he's not really running routes like we know he can actually uh, uh, flourish in fantasy doing that. So that's going to be something interesting to watch with him tied to the line. For sure. And he's going around tight end 20 right now in July drafts. 
And we know how much Joe Flacco wants to throw to his tight ends. I mean, just picture 365 days ago during the preseason, was even the Hall of Fame game, how much Hayden Hurst played and how much he was featured in preseason action. And then obviously he broke his foot. I wouldn't be surprised if Noah Fant is featured in a very similar way. And I'm actually one Daigle who thought that his inline prowess, Noah Fant, was underrated coming out of school. And I think part oh, of that really? is because okay. it was just... Yeah, it was just natural for someone to think, well, if one guy's an inline tight end and TJ Hawkinson, then the other guy has to be a move joker type. But I actually think he was willing and competitive. We know how crazy athletic Noah Fant was in college. It wouldn't uh, look, it is difficult for first year tight ends to produce at a high level in the NFL. But if one does hit, it could be Noah Fant, and he can be an extreme value at a position that has a lot of question marks outside of the top six, seven, or eight. He is currently second on the depth chart. Um, they still have Jeff Huerman up at first and ahead of him, and that's the initial one. It probably could and probably will change. However, uh, there's still they something – there's, yeah, of course. There's still something to play for him, and that means I'm assuming we are definitely going to see him highlighted in the very first game out of the gates. Uh, another player, and perhaps this is just me, but I have always genuinely enjoyed, and no one has ever said this in their life, by the way, but I have <laughs> genuinely enjoyed watching Kevin Hogan play football. What? Kevin Hogan is like legitimately exciting. I, I'm not kidding. He's a scrambling quarterback who throws downfield. And we have a bit of recency bias because the last time we actually saw him start was under Hugh Jackson for one half. And Hugh Jackson did not take the reins off him and let him go full Kevin Hogan on people. Hugh Jackson, like in that game, I believe it was against the Texans last, not last season, two seasons ago. Uh, he didn't get. He didn't throw downfield at all. He was thrown to the shallows and missing his receivers because the shallows is legitimately a tough throw for a backup quarterback. So I am excited to see full on Kevin Hogan to start the game. And like I said, no one has ever said that. I will take that proudly with me. There are a lot of nominations, but this might be your worst take of all time. Like no, it's a scrambling quarterback in a preseason game. That is exciting. I mean. We, the Broncos have already witnessed the Tim Tebow era. Why do they need to relive it with someone like Kevin Hogan? In fact, John, I I will go this far with you. I think undrafted free agent Brett Ripien will outplay Kevin Hogan on Thursday night. Uh, do you mean outplay by play more or perform better? Perform better. Yeah, probably, but he won't be more fun to watch <laughs> while doing it. Brett Ripien was actually really interesting to me. I thought he'd actually get drafted. He wasn't. He's someone at Boise State who played in all different alignments. I mean, he he played under center. He played in the gun. He played in the pistol. He worked every level of the field. He was very comfortable inside a structure. Um, again, I was very surprised that he was not drafted. And I'm actually even more surprised that he didn't go to a team where he actually might wind up on a roster. Because obviously, if the Broncos take two uh, quarterbacks in the year and not three, then Drew Locke's going to be that second one. I do wonder how much we're going to see from Drew Locke. Maybe, what, half a quarter? Does, would that make sense? A couple series? Yeah, so the way I had it pinned was pretty much a first quarter for Kevin Hogan, second quarter, and uh, one or two drives into the third quarter for Locke, and then the rest of the game for Ripien. Um, Drew Locke, though, like a quarter and a half let's just assume that for a second like that is both good and bad because especially in uh evaluating drew lock like that guy we could see his ceiling but we could see the entire reason why everyone was skeptical about him too because he is wild at times yep like frustratingly wild yep for sure um i wouldn't be surprised if we see some like drew lock to tim patrick down the field chances 
Um, we know that Drew Locke loves to throw the football down the field, but it will be interesting to see how he handles pressure, disruption, outside of structure plays, because those were very, very hit or miss during his time um, at Missouri. Daigle, to me, it's it's always important for offensive line depth and how the overlap of that equals entertainment for these preseason games, because we know that across the league, second string offensive lines are trash. And guess what? We see second and third string offensive lines during preseason games. And oftentimes those, the defensive lines are the ones who take over in those second, third and fourth quarters. And it's not like we've got two great starting offensive lines with either of these groups. And so their backups might really make this, I'm not even going to say interesting, uh, frustrating to watch as we move on. But really how I, I don't know how you watch preseason Daigle, but for me, I love to focus in on individual players. I mean, that's why we're talking about all these individual players. And and that's to me where you can create an edge and, and really get an edge as we head on into drafts. Oh yeah. Personnel, especially starting units uh, in weeks two and three is very huge. Um, and then the rest of the time you're watching your backups to see who pops on film and who could potentially break out. You mentioned offensive lines. So those just, this doesn't really, isn't really actionable for this game or anything, but Ronald Leary and especially Elijah Wilkinson left and right tackles backups have been getting applause. Like, great applause from their training camp performances. So they're going to come in and play uh, reps with the second team. So they will be protecting for Locke. So that will be interesting to watch when you're watching backups. And then another backup that Locke and Rippian will likely be throwing to is Trinity Benson, who, as we know, like college scouting guru, Dane Brugler, uh, he actually had him ranked as a late round prospect and Benson went undrafted, but Benson's like a straight line speedster who's stood out at training camp for the Broncos as well. So um, if Locke does hit on one of those deep tosses, like it would likely be to the guy who can burn backup secondaries. Do you want to tell you that every week during preseason action, all of August, uh, we will be having podcasts on Tuesday and Thursday. Tuesday is really the wrap up the games that happen Thursday, Friday, Saturday during the weekend, all 16. And then Thursday will be, using what we learned and propelling that forward to the next weekends. Honestly, I mean, I truly mean this. I'm not just saying this, that preseason action matters and it can really give us an edge in a lot of different ways, opportunity, personnel, who's playing above who and, and who looks good and rich rookies can break out. And a lot of times rookie ADP, you know, is not as steady as other proven veterans. So to me, that's where really, really preseason does matter. Um, Thanks Daigle. Appreciate you, buddy. We'll talk soon. We'll we'll crack open a bottle of wine uh, when you get here in a couple of weeks. I will want to say before get to Pat and running back sleepers and wide receiver sleepers, I have a deal for you, ladies and gentlemen. It's on the all-in package for the season pass, the draft master, the draft guide, and the DFS toolkit currently listed the all-in package at one hundred and twenty-nine ninety-nine. We're giving it to you right now for ninety-nine ninety-nine. Just go to products.rotoworld.com/pricing and enter code Rotopod. Basically, if I can give you like a small hint, just a little tidbit here, it's the price of the DFS toolkit by itself. Ninety-nine ninety-nine. Again, go to products.rotoworld.com/pricing and use promo code ROTOPOD to get the all-in package for $99.99, 30 off, and expires at the end of preseason. So get on it now. Get on it now. All right, here it comes. Me, Roto Pat, 
chopping it up about running backs and wide receivers. We all know the top 20 names out there, but let's help the people out. Let's help them find some sleepers. I'm going to hog the mic and first bring up Chris Carson, who is going right now as the running back 28. Pat, that's ludicrous with the Seattle Seahawks. He was top five in rushing last season. Chris Carson was. This is also a team we see change at basically so many teams across the league every single year. The Seahawks haven't changed at all. We know exactly what their identity is. We know exactly what their outlook is going to be. And that is give the football to Chris Carson and Rashad Penny. I know some might be concerned about Rashad Penny, but they also need to realize that the Seahawks are losing 146 touches from Mike Davis that I think Chris Carson can eat a lot of those up. Yeah, you kind of made, you said, you know, everything's kind of the same with this rushing attack, except for then you mentioned the ultimate wild card and Rashad Penny. So to, to me, I kind of understand Chris Carson's ADP because really? down the stretch last Outside year. Outside of a running back two in drafts right now. Down the stretch, well, that's a, he should be on that borderline there of RB2 flex to me because down the stretch last year, Rashad Penny started to show why the Seahawks thought he should be a first round pick. Clearly, he should not have been a first round pick, but he did, I feel like, what the Seahawks wanted him to do. He started to make big plays, yeah. he started to kind of provide a, a game changing element in that backfield, an element that Chris Carson sort of has. But Rashad Penny, no, no question, a bigger game breaker. Yeah. And he's a guy, he was an offseason hype superstar, got talked up all offseason by the Seahawks coaching staff. And, you know, the Seahawks have kind of always been the ultimate meritocracy in football. But even the Seahawks, if they think this former first-round pick, you know, is I feel like they could, I could see them forcing the issue a little bit with Rashad Penny. One, we know that Pete Carroll's favorite word is, like, competition. Yes. So if Chris Carson just outperforms Rashad Penny, which I think is definitely possible, then he's just going to see more touches. And, Pat, this is also a backfield that saw 33 touches per game last season. If that splits 17 for Chris Carson, 16 for Rashad Penny, if my math is correct— that's, prill, that that's is, still really, really good for someone being drafted as running back 20. That is, that, that's the positive case there to yes. make for Chris Carson, because even if Rashad Penny does, quote-unquote, break out, you are right. It's hard to see Chris Carson finishing out of the top 30 at running Who back. Who stands out to you as a value? Josh, I need to stop writing about this player, and I need to stop talking about this player, but I'm going to do it anyway. Ronald Jones in Tampa Bay. Oh. And for me, this boils down to <laughs> the Bucks know what they have in Peyton Barber. Uh, the, the Athletics' Greg Almond uh, posted a great stat last week. Peyton Barber was the first running back since 2013 last season to generate fewer than 1,000 yards from scrimmage on 250-plus touches. Peyton Barber is not good. He is the definition of replacement level. Ronald Jones was terrible as a rookie, but he's the second-year, second-rounder. He's still extremely young. Bruce Arians has always favored a one-man backfield. <laughs> Bruce Arians, too. Say what you will about off-season coach speak. Bruce Arians is a coach, uh, a unique amongst NFL coaches, who yeah. speaks his mind. And what he said, what his staff said about all off-season about Ronald Jones was positive. Ronald Jones could be flamed out by this time next month. But to me, there's just... Uh, we, we, the Bucks know what they have Peyton Barber. We know who Peyton Barber is, and Ronald Jones could still be a summer riser. I'm laughing because my second nomination was going to be Peyton Barber because he's being drafted as the running back 53 compared to Ronald Jones as running back 41. Pat, you talked about how, like, Peyton Barber's not good. Okay, Ronald Jones averaged 1.9 yards per carry last year. It's Ronald Jones, you can't even mention. yards on 23 carries with a long gain of nine yards for someone who's supposed to be a big playback. I thought you were saying the long gain. What are you gain? talking about? For, that sample size is so laughably small. You really can't. He had negative rushing yards and last preseason. He also played for one of the ultimate abandon-the-run coaches in Dirt Cutter. Uh, he was terrible. There's no way to sugarcoat it. It was, it was such a hysterically bad season. You just kind of throw that season away. And the, the Bucks. Listen, I'm talking about believing in Ronald Jones. I'm not the only one. The Bucks coaching staff are the people kind of leading the way on this and fueling this. Okay, Pat, I think the biggest thing for Ronald Jones is going to be that he has to prove himself in the preseason. And like I said, I mean, he had negative rushing yards last preseason. It's going to be so hard to be worse. 
And my point with Peyton Barber, it's not like I believe in him as some great not. talent that's going to be top 20 not. in the league. He will not. But what I care about is volume. Like, you mentioned 250 touches. Great. If I get 250 touches and a back that is being drafted around Devin Singletary and Deontay Foreman and Deion Lewis and Justice Hill, how many of those backs are going to get 150 touches I this still, year? Even on those touches last year, he basically maxed out as like a weak flex option. But in an awful offense. Like, at the very least, we think that Bruce Arians is going to the improve Bucks this offense. The gained a lot of yards last year. Maybe Bruce Arians will streamline and make the offense more efficient. The Bucks might not be able to gain more yards than they gained last year, actually. Pat, let's move on because I still like you to your final nomination here. I'll say Damian Harris. This is a true kind of dart throw. This is a true talk about a situation that we don't know how to forecast. But, you know, for the second time in two years, the Patriots used the top 90 pick on an early down running back. Uh, Lots of negative buzz in Sonny Michel. We knew about his bone-on-bone knee condition coming out of college. And lo and behold, it was a problem as a rookie. It remained a problem this offseason. He barely practiced, had another surgery. And the Patriots have a pretty savvy uh, beat writer crew. And the word from them all offseason was Damian Harris is going to be a real threat to Sonny Michelle in early downs. Again, this is a summer storyline that could be dead a month from now. But Damian or Har- it could be a major storyline a month yeah. from now. Like in the preseason, if we see Damian Harris running well and running with the first team, then he's going to skyrocket up draft points. Yeah, but a guy who's barely being drafted is an RB4. Just a great dart throw to throw right For now. For sure. Yeah. He's being drafted, depending on the platform, anywhere from running back 43 to running back 50. Yeah. And I, I think the preseason is very meaningful for him. It's for going sure. to be. Again, this could be a dead storyline a month from right. now. But to me, it, it's a great flyer to take right now. Let's help the people find some great opportunities and some great players at the wide receiver spot. Yeah, I'm going to start with Geronimo Allison. Uh, there's some debate if he'll be the number two or number three receiver. It's probably going to be the number three receiver. Uh, but in the early days of camp, he confirmed he's going to be in the slot. Uh, we know Aaron Rodgers, his entire career, has loved to target the slot position. Yep. Uh, pro football focuses Scott Barrett uh, point out that he's targeted the slot on 25% of his career attempts, Aaron Rodgers. And you know, Allison's a potential mismatch in the slot, 6'3", sure. over 200 pounds. Uh, he was off to a great start last year before getting hurt, had almost 300 yards the Packers' first four games. And he's going like the mid-40s, almost wide receiver 50. He's being drafted yep. as like a low-end wide receiver four. And even if Marquez Valdez-Scantling you know, is the clear-cut number two, uh, Aaron Rodgers is a guy who's made three receivers fantasy viable uh, many times in the past. And, and they're very different types, aren't they? they? Are. Like, Geronimo Allison's going to be someone that's not a safety blanket, per se, because he can create big plays as well. But he's going to play the slot. Meanwhile, MVS might be more of a, a best ball, high-variance type who can win down the field and put up Peak weeks, spike weeks, but might not be as consistent as Jerome Allison. And in fact, Pat, in the ADP I'm looking at, MVS, 46, wide receiver, Geronimo Allison, wide receiver, 47. Yeah, and that could kind of yo-yo all summer, depending right. on who's getting hyped at the current moment. But I think Allison's slightly safer, slightly better, higher floor. Uh, Pat, this will be the 27th time this offseason I talk about this wide receiver. But his name is Dante Pettis with the San Francisco 49ers. He averaged a whopping nearly 19 fantasy points per game across the last four games that he started in the 2018 season. I think my biggest question and really my only question for the 49ers is if Jimmy Garoppolo was good. And I'm not necessarily certain he has to be good in order for George Kittle and Dante Pettis to both be fantastic receiver options uh, because we've seen that Kyle Shannon can manufacture space and volume and opportunity and really good opportunity at that with Nick Mullins and C.J. Beathard. Right now, Dante Pettis is the wide receiver 32. Pat, it wouldn't shock me at all if we see a 1,000-yard season from Dante Pettis. And in fact, I'll take it a step further. 
wouldn't shock me at all if we see 100 receptions from Dante Pettis this year. And that's on the border of wide receiver three territories being drafted at right now. Yeah, I mean, he could finish with 12 or 1,300 yards in yep. a best-case scenario. And like you said, even if Jimmy Garoppolo is not good, which I think he is, Dante Pettis finished the season on a tear last year, yeah, with C.J. Beathard and Nick Mullins. So uh, he's, he's a guy the 49ers really believe in. They traded up for him last year. He kind of delivered basically on his pre-draft profile. And, uh, yeah, yeah I'm, basically you can't get me – uh, you can't get me any higher on Dante Pettis than I already am myself. I mentioned wide receiver 32 for Dante Pettis. Sammy Watkins is going as wide receiver 29. Jarvis Landry is going as wide receiver 28. Something's easy. wrong in the world yeah, right e- now. Easy over both of those. Pat, we got two more. Hit us up with one. I'm going to go with Deshaun Jackson, who's never been the most fun I love guy it. to own, in fa- especially in PPR. He can leave you with some like zero-point weeks. But I've seen some places going north of wide receiver 50. Wow. Uh, people just really underrate Deshaun Jackson. They underrate in the modern fantasy where it's so much about compiling in PPR. They kind of underrate big play guys. And, you know, the Eagles last year, Carson Wentz, one of their main problems, took a huge step back on deep, deep passing. The year before it, Pro Football Focus charted him with a QB rating north of 100 on attempts 20 yards more down the field. Last year, that was down to 70 just because he didn't have a deep threat now he's one of the best deep threats in the entire NFL and Deshaun Jackson he's 32 going on 33 uh, posted the third highest yards per catch of his career last year still an explosive talent still one of the fastest players in the NFL and in a better situation than he was last year and to me after wide receiver 50 that's like free money basically and there is has been no receiver that Carson Wentz has played with of the caliber and style of Deshaun Jackson. Pat, I'm seeing right now that D.D. Westbrook is being taken well ahead of Deshaun Jackson. Would you rather have maybe Nick Foles' number one wide receiver or Deshaun Jackson, who, yes, might be the third option, but he's playing with Carson Wentz and maybe one of the best teams in the NFL. Yeah, and it's going to be like the same Deshaun Jackson. There's going to be like zero-point weeks, but there's going to be like week-winning type performances. And again, the current ADP is just ludicrously low. Uh, For the seventh season in a row, Pat, I'm going to nominate Devin Funches. Uh, Devin Funches is being drafted as the wide receiver 50. And now with the Indianapolis Colts, he's still just 25 years old. Just 25 years old. And Pat, it's not like he hasn't produced previously. We're just one season removed from Devin Funches having a 63 catch, 840-yard, eight-touchdown season. He was 23 years old at the time. He's younger than Kenny Galladay. I believe. And I I understand. I understand that really outside of Eric Ebron, T.Y. Hilton was the only pass catcher that was consistent. In fact, I believe he was the only one that exceeded nine fantasy points more than four times last season. Can you name the other wide receivers he was playing with, though? It was Chester Rogers. It was Ryan Grant. It was Dontrell Inman. It was Zach Pascal. Are they real people? Like, Devin Funches is certifiably pretty good at football and playing with Andrew Luck. I love it at wide receiver 50. I would feel a little better about Devin Funches if they converted him to his natural position of tight end, Josh. No, uh. no. <laughs> I, I think that he is a really, really good fit and could honestly take a lot. What, he's didn't a great, Eric Ebron score 14 touchdowns last that's year? That's not going to happen again, obviously, as we know. And, because they're going to go to Devin Funches. And yeah, part part of the positive case to make, too, is you have one of the best GMs in the league yes. went out and aggressively targeted this player. And it's talked about how he was kind of like a missing element and their offense. But, you know, there's some other new faces, Paris Campbell and things. But, like, and uh, talking up Mo Ali Cox. It's, a, it's sure. a deep offense. So that could be the concern that even if Devin Funches has a great year, it just doesn't translate to consistent fantasy value. But we talk about trying to find those breakout offenses and not, you know, pay a huge price for them. I think the Colts are definitely one. Like, if you go into a draft or exit a draft with Andrew Luck, Marlon Mack, T.Y. Hilton, or maybe instead of T.Y. Hilton, it's Devin Funches, I think that could be really interesting. And, again, they're much cheaper options. Thanks a lot, Pat. Thanks all of you for 
tuning in and for more rankings, projections, strategy, and advice on how to dominate your drafts, check out the all-new Rotoworld NFL Draft Guide. Now mobile optimized, it has a new look and feel, ladies and gentlemen. It's never been easier to take our award-winning advice with you to your drafts for that extra competitive edge. Just go to rotoworld.com slash NFL Draft Guide for more. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 